Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. This is Jim Brewer, and you're listening to Talking Metal! Hey, this is John Five from Rob Zombie, and you're listening to Talking Metal. What's up? This is Bam Margera, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, my name is Richard ZK from Emigrate and Rammstein, and you guys listen to Talking Metal. Don't believe the hype. Rock, rock over London. Zurich. Auckland. Dublin. Dallas. Milwaukee. Los Angeles. Sydney. Indianapolis. Tokyo. Seattle. Paris. Budapest. Berlin. New York. Ladies and gentlemen, two men who are committed to rocking you wherever you might be. John Astronomy and Mark Striegel. Welcome to the Talking Metal Podcast. Broadcasting around the world from TalkingMetal.com and StriegelsMusicNews.com. Hey, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. This is John Astronomy along with Mark Striegel. Thanks for joining us, guys. We have a big announcement for you today, and we have a big name guest. Tell us about the guest. We have the one and only Richard Z. Cruz from Ramstein. He is coming on the podcast to talk about the great new band he's a part of called Emigrate. This is a project that Richard sings lead vocals on, which is amazing. He's singing in English, which is really a treat for all of the fans of Ramstein and Richard. And the album has been released in the United States today, and it's called Emigrate. And John did this interview on his own. I haven't heard it. I cannot wait to hear it. I'm listening for the first time with you guys right now. So uh, let's check it out. But let's first talk about our big announcement. February 22nd, Fuse. Talking Metal on Fuse is coming back to Fuse. And we are so excited about this. That's right. As many of you know, Fuse has been airing a promo for over a week now that uh, has... uh, set forth the date of February 22nd. That'll be the first premiere of Talking Metal on Fuse, and we have some great guests right out of the box, some really big names, Ozzy Osbourne, Kerry King, Slash, Vinnie Paul, Richard Christie, Byron from God Forbid, Metal Mike, a lot of big names right out of the box. I'm totally psyched. A bunch of new episodes coming to Fuse starting on February 22nd, so we're psyched. Please tune in. Please definitely tune in to Talking Metal on Fuse. If you don't have Fuse, call your cable company and demand Fuse. Let's get right into the interview with Richard Z. This is a solo interview by Mr. Astronomy. I can't wait to hear this. We're going to 
round it out with some music? Yeah, we're going to round out the interview with some emigrate. Definitely go out and buy this record. There's a limited edition that's coming out today in the United States as well as the standard edition. So uh, I, I recommend you guys look for that limited one because there's some bonus material on it as you'll hear in the interview but it's a great great record we're going to start out with the first single a little song sample called my world we're going to hear the interview and then we're going to finish the show today with a great track all about the town that we're in right now new york city and it's called new york city excellent Keep the emails coming to TalkingMetal at Yahoo.com. Check us out on MySpace. Check out the site. Check out the show notes that go along with today's show on TalkingMetal.com. Stay tuned for an interview with Serge Tankian coming up real soon. And right now, let's get into the interview with Richard Z from Emigrate. And if you hear any little beeps in the background, that's because we're standing outside Madison Square Garden in a bank machine kiosk because it is raining and we did not want to get wet. Stay dry. honored because I am hanging out with Richard from Ramstein, and we're going to talk about his new project, Emigrate. This is so cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hello. John, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. What an amazing place you got here. You've got, just for all you Talking Metal listeners, I'm sitting here by this really cool ISO booth, a ton of guitars, there's a, a drum set, and this is a, an awesome place you got. Actually, I feel quite comfortable here. You're right. I was looking for, for a long time to find, especially in New York City, where people don't really have so much space, for like a place where I can basically live and work together. And I was actually running around with a broker here to find a place for an apartment or something. And I was walking on the street and basically told me, listen, this guy is selling his house. It's like I was watching over and I saw this beautiful house. It's an old city house. An old, it was, used to be an old firehouse, by the way, uh, Engine 55 here. Like, wow, I heard about that. Yeah. 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 So I asked him, so what do you mean? He wants to sell his house, how much? And he didn't really know. And all of a sudden, the guy came out of the house. So I went over here and uh, turned out that he was a musician too. And so we talked together and I was totally interested. And then it took me, I don't know, like quite a while to convince him you know that he has to sell it to me because obviously after a while you know the business has to be right too so um, then i moved here in like 2001 basically 
And let me tell you something about the house. The house is kind of a crazy thing here. When I moved in, I always realized there's some kind of energy around me. And other people like told me, like, oh, you're crazy, you know? I mean, what are you, what are you talking about? And my bass player, when he was sitting on a, on, a, on a mixing board, he was telling me, Richard, I don't know what, what's going on, but I feel like somebody's breathing on my neck. I was like, wow. okay. So then a friend of mine came here and lived here for two weeks with his girlfriend and two kids. So when he was kind of like having breakfast together, and he was saying, do you know that Richard believes something is going on here? And those two kids said, yes, we know he's here, but he's okay. That's what the kids said. Wow. Yeah. So then my girlfriend moved in for two weeks, and she couldn't take it. She left after two weeks because the energy was so strong. So then I got a little curious about what's going on with the house. I mean, what kind of energy is this, you know? And I went to the net, and I found a picture uh, from 1874, basically. And I was printing out a picture, and I saw the picture, and I got goosebumps all over my body. And I showed the picture to my friends, and so they basically said to me, so how how did you do it? And I said, what do you mean? So how did you put yourself into the picture? And it's I said, crazy. And said, no, it's not me. It's from 1874. Basically, it's a picture with three guys standing outside this house here, and one guy looks exactly like me. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then I kind of stopped, you know? I was like, okay, let it be. <laughs> just use it. <laughs> that is out of control. I'll tell you, I'm going to go online and try to find that yeah. same photo. What an amazing story. Yeah, absolutely. What's great is that you have a brand new band project, and I, I'm calling it a band project because it's more than just a solo record. You put a brand new band together called Emigrate, and it's almost like a soundtrack of what has been happening in New York City, your experiences in New York. That's exactly describing uh, the situation where I was in when I was starting to uh, write for Emigrate. Basically what happened was there was some tension going on after the mother record and I kind of felt I had to distance myself from my past work and also from my band for a while. And also being in Berlin for 18 years, I kind of felt like I needed to change. I was bored of myself. I achieved a lot of things with Ramschen, obviously, and I felt like I need a new challenge. And I think the most important thing as, an, as a true artist is go always the unsafe way because it's the only way, you know, you will suffer. And, you know, I guess like 80% of all artists need suffering to create music. So what is the best city to suffer? So I figured New York City would be a good uh, beginning. So for me to actually go from Berlin to New York was obviously a big step, you know, kind of like leaving my band behind, like, you know, giving up control and also say goodbye to a lot of things that I was really comfortable with, you know. I had everything you can imagine. So for me, that was a big step, and all those impressions I got, like, here when I arrived, obviously I had to, I had to somehow put it in some kind of uh, artistic way. So to start to, to make music with this beautiful place here was a logical thing to do. And that's how I started. I basically... I started to write songs here, and I wasn't really thinking where I would go or what for what. I was just writing constantly, and I felt it really one of the most inspiring city to write music, basically. So then after a while, I thought to myself, okay, that's maybe a good time to do what you always want to do, is basically become a, a singer or start to sing uh, on your own songs. And that's what I did, and I was quite frustrating in the beginning, obviously, because... 
As a songwriter, I was kind of advanced and I know where to go, but as a singer, I was almost like a child. It's almost like you try to teach a grown-up to ride a bike, you know? It was quite, quite difficult. And there were moments where I thought maybe I should, like, use a real singer. And all my bandmates basically told me, listen, man, you wrote those songs and, uh, you know, it's the only way you will be happy. You have to sing them. I think that the vocals are great, and I think you did an amazing job. And what I think is cool is that the fact that it's you and not a team of guest vocalists on the record, to me, it's a more honest feeling when I listen to the album because of that. Yes, you know, you you mentioned a point which was really interesting, what I kind of discovered during the whole singing process. That in, in the end of the day, it's not so important how, how much your voice sounds. It's more important that you get the right attitude about the songs, and if you want to say something, you know, you can say it. And that works for the song. It's more about, like, attitude than technique or something, you know, especially in rock and roll. The technique sounds great on it, but I do agree with you, and I think that what you wanted to come across in these songs definitely came across. It, it is really important because at the end of the day, you know, everyone that I like, people like Trent Reznor, for example, you know, you know, obviously he came up with his own style. I mean, you can't really say he's a great singer, but he came up with his own style, and that's what I actually like about to be authentic as possible. That's what people know about my past, that's that what people know about Rammstein. Definitely. Now, you did recording in a few different places, some stuff in, in Denmark, uh, some stuff in Berlin, and did you do the vocals here in New York? That's correct, yeah. We started in Denmark, as you say, like we recorded the drums, and then I was rebuilding uh, a room for my guitars in Berlin five times because I'm really an anal when it comes to guitar recording, and the most important thing is the room where you record. And after recording all the guitars in Berlin, we moved back to New York, and we started to record all the vocals here in New York. So then after the whole recording session here, we went back to Stockholm and started to mix the whole record. And that was quite difficult in the beginning because what the engineer, which we worked in the past, Stefan Glaumann, what he did, he was trying to create a little bit the same kind of mix that we used for Rammstein. And I realized after a week it wouldn't work. So I was trying to give him an idea, and I always had this idea from Emigrate, a cube thing. And I tried to visualize the sound as a cube thing. And all of a sudden, she, he understood what I was talking about, and he made it kind of cubey sounding. And all of a sudden, it worked. Which brings up the My World video, which is so cool because the band is playing on a cube. And I think the coolest thing is how you see the, the drum hardware just looks like it's just out in thin air because you, you guys are on this cube. And if, if you see the packaging of the project, you'll see this cube not only in the video but on the packaging as well. Who designed this? Because it's amazing. It's a guy from Germany, obviously, that we work uh, together since uh, the Rammstein area called Dirk Rudolf. But again, like, for some reason, this idea with the cube arrived sometime. And I had always this idea of a cube. I didn't really know where this cube came from, but I always using the cube in all my, uh, even in my sound, in my artwork, in my photos. And, and I don't know where the cube will lead me, but I know there is some answers to this cube. And maybe I will tell you the next year what, what it means. That's great. It's it's really cool. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the album, some of the songs on it, some of my favorite songs. I want to talk about the guys in the band and then just a little bit about your past and, and your influences growing up and everything. So let's start out with the actual songs on this record. I'm lucky that I've got the limited version. It has a couple of bonus tracks on it, and I am really into the song Blood. I think the riff in the chorus is great, and 
I encourage everybody, even if you've already got the album, go out and buy this limited version because you get two great additional songs, Blood and Help Me. I love Babe. Resolution, I think, is really cool because it's got some cool scales, kind of reminded me a little Middle Eastern sounding. And, of course, the first single, My World, is an amazing track that is also on the um, soundtrack for Resident Evil Extinction. So how did you get involved in that? First of all, I love America. It's like everyone is like <laughs> talking great things about my record. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great record. <laughs> Thank you. How it happened was that basically the guys from the record company basically called me up and asked me if I would do something for the for the for the movie. And obviously, you know, we were involved with Rammstein in the first two movies. And I was telling them basically that you know I need to see something, some footage to you know to get an idea where they want to go. So they were sending me the trailer. So for some reason, I saw the trailer and I hit my world. And all of a sudden, you know, this, this trailer starts like in, in, in the air, basically in space, and it comes into the desert. And for some reason, the whole sequence at my world and the guitar part worked through the scene. And then I was listening to the lyrics and I kind of like, it made sense. It's hard to tell you sometimes, you know, his song goes in its own direction, basically. And... I told them, listen, I have this perfect song for you guys, and uh, that's what happened. So they agreed, So and end of the story. You know, all you listeners have to go to uh, emigrate.eu and check this video out. What's cool is it's the video mixed with scenes from the movie, which is very cool. And, and you guys are, of course, on the cube. Normally what you do when you have like a, a movie and you have a, a video or a band performing, normally what normal people would do is kind of like mixing those things together. And the idea what we had, basically, because the movie comes from the game, they were trying to achieve a little bit like the feeling that you're sitting in front of a game and to put basically the band into the movie and make everything looks like a game. That was the idea. And I think that Paul Brown, which directed the video, did a great job. Oh, there's no doubt about it. What's cool is it doesn't look like, and sometimes when a band appears in a movie soundtrack, you know, you'll see the band on some stage playing, and then you'll see clips from the movie, and they don't really have anything to do with one another. But in this case, it looks like you guys made the video and the movie at the same time. Exactly. That was the purpose to do, like, to merge those worlds together. And, you know, that's why the cube came back for some reason. So and the cube is maybe the, the bindeglied for the two worlds. Very, very cool. I love it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> cool. I want to talk about the other video that's currently also on your website, the New York City video. And this just has such an amazing vibe. And I'm wondering, does that logo chair actually exist? Actually, it did. Wow. And he asked me if I could use it. But the problem was I couldn't get it through my door here. Wow. We tried and I couldn't get it. So the problem is like, you know, obviously, first of all, it's really hard to get it through the door. But then you have the staircase here. Right, the spiral and staircase. Spiral staircase, exactly. So the only way to could get it up there would be with a crane. But then I measured it, and I couldn't get it through the window. <laughs> so unfortunately, it's gone. It's just in storage somewhere, or it's... No, you know. just throw it away. So, <laughs> sorry. Well, it's, it's an amazing video. It has such a wild vibe. It kind of has like a West Side vibe. Where was that done at? Actually, you know, the funny thing was that there were guys were looking for a special place. And the, the day before we were shooting, the director was calling me about my house. And I was like, you know, I heard about it. You have such a special house. You know, can we just shoot the video here? I was like, I do have a special house, but I don't think it's uh, appropriate. Like, you know, it's the right, right, right uh, location, basically, for 
for the video. And then for some reason, in one night, they found this place in Queens. It was a basement, basically. And it was this one room that looked, like, really fucked up. And for some reason, they made it really well. And it looks really good. All you listeners, go watch this. Pause this. Go watch the video and then come right back to it. What's cool is you're in the chair and then it's almost like a three-dimensional video playing around you in kind of like a cylinder. There's a beautiful woman in the video as well, too. Of course, because, like, honestly, for me, when I think about New York City, I always think of, of a woman. It's always, New York City appears to me as a female thing for some reason. It's really erotic and there's a lot of drama in the city. That's why it's really female and that's what we're trying to do to to bring a girl that actually symbolized New York City. And going back in the 80s, you know, Obviously, I wasn't here in the 80s, but like a lot of people told me there was much more sexuality around the city. And then I guess Giuliani came and cleaned everything up. So, But this kind of symbolized the female side of New York City. But the funny thing was that I, since I was a boy, I was, was kind of wondering how it would be if you would be an actor or something and you had to make a love scene or a sex scene on a set with all those people around you. And I was always curious about it. And I was like thinking to myself, you know, one day I have to try this. One day I have to find out. And then here we go. There was a scene with the girl that I don't really know. And I had to do this, this scene, right? Right, so, right, definitely. And the only thing I can tell you, it just went on. And I went on. And after, after the act, you know, the director looked at me really weird. And I was like, oh, maybe I did something wrong. And then I realized that he was a little bit ashamed of because it was so real that he got a little bit ashamed of the whole situation. Wow. And it was kind of it was a weird thing. Well, I think the, the fact that it actually was so real makes it even cooler because it's not like acting. It, it's something that just happened. Yeah, I just did it. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. I was watching that going, man, Richard is lucky. <laughs> That's a good video. <laughs> now, I, I wanted to also ask about Babe because I, I love that song. What was the inspiration behind that one? Actually, normally I don't really talk about my lyrics or in general. It comes back to the tradition that we have also in Rammstein that, you know, the good thing about when somebody writes lyrics is that everyone starts to create their own story. And I think one of the things you should do, you know, it has to become a dialogue between you as a writer and your fans. And I think the most interesting part is like when they come up with their own stories, with their own song, basically. But the inspiration for this song was my daughter. Oh, that's great. So you'll be seeing her real soon, right? Yeah, I'm going back on Saturday. And like in the early days, I used to always to listen to my track first. Because one thing about children is that they're so brutal honest, they will not try to please you. So when they're that young, and she always would tell me if she liked the track or if she didn't like the track. That's great. So I wanted to kind of get into the guys that are in the band. And I know that you've had some history with some of the members before. Sasha played with you back in... The day in your in your old band before Ramstein. I must tell you, well informed. You know, you're almost like Stasi. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. No, I as I said, I am a huge fan of yours. So this is just such a privilege for me to be here. But but that was in your old band, uh, Orgasm Death Gimmicks. Exactly. That was my old, my very very first band, Orgasm Death Gimmick, and he was the drummer, and we always remained friends, and I always were trying because I'm such a I'm such a loyal guy basically that I'm always trying to help my friends out, and I was trying to bring into many projects as, po- as possible and so he took care of their computer editing part basically he runs all the machines which is cool and then Unka hope I'm pronouncing that right he 
played with Clawfinger, who toured with you guys before. Exactly. So he's the guy from Stockholm. You know, my, my Swedish connection, we have such a strong connection with Sweden. You know, obviously, my producer or my old producer right. is coming from Sweden. And Jacob. Jacob Hanna, exactly. And also the engineer, Stefan Glaumann, also from Sweden. And Henkar, he's playing in Clawfinger, and they're uh, open for Rammstein a couple of years ago. And I don't know, every time I watch this guy... He played the heaviest beat, and he still was smiling. And I really liked the smile when he played. So I basically played him the songs and the demos that I had, and he was totally into it. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So it was, he was the second guy. And then the last guy, or no, the third guy is actually the first guy that I met here in New York. Uh, it's Arnaud Giroux. is a French bass player. And uh, we had kind of a deal in the beginning, basically saying that he would work on each other's records, because at this time he was trying to also, like, write his own record. And for some reason, when he heard my record and my demos, he, he totally forgot about his stuff, and we just worked on our, on Emigrate, basically. And the last person is Olsen Infotini, one of their most talented person I know in music. I mean, this guy is unbelievable, and he always gives you... He does so many things. He's like a guitar player. He's like a producer. He's an engineer. He's a front of house man. He does everything. And he was the guy that I trusted with my vocals because obviously, as I said before, to become a singer is kind of a fragile thing for you, especially when you start. You know, you're not really confident about what you're doing and stuff. And I needed someone that I really trust and it gave me the feeling of uh, being confident. And he made it for me in a way that it was such a pleasure to record with him. I will never change this uh, procedure. Doing vocals like this for the first time, it kind of gave you a whole new outlook on when you saw Till do his own vocals. Actually, I kind of uh, remembered you know, that I gave him such a hard time this often, you know, in, in studios that I always realized, you know, that I will be much more patient with him uh, for the next record. But it is definitely something different to play an instrument, of course. You know, you're totally naked, and sometimes you don't even know where to go because it's not. sometimes it's not about technique. It's about, you know, how you feel. And it's about if you have, to have the right attitude or the, the right mood for the song. And there's nothing you can kind of do with technique. You know, you have to hit the right moment for it. And it's something that you can't really explain. Definitely. With Rammstein... The guitar was almost a second voice, but with Emigrate, the guitar plays along with the song. When I was writing for Emigrate, I was trying to start to write in a different direction. I was reading this book, and it's an American book called Songwriter on Songwriting, or Songwriting on Songwriting, I don't remember anymore. And I realized there was all those great songwriters, and they all explained how they write songs. So I was trying to do something different with Emigrate, because I always felt like with Rammstein writing for all those years that I didn't felt complete in the way that I was writing. It was great because, you know, they were always sounded really dramatic. And I guess that was the reason because the vocals always came last on the music. So, like, I put so many things in and it made it sound so dramatic and it became its own style. But I never reused really my voice for it. So with Emigrate, I started to write in a different way, more like the traditional songwriter way, I would say. And that's why I think that the guitar, which is my main instrument, just plays more along with the song as with Rammstein. Right. Now, do you guys have any plans to do any live shows? Uh, yes, we. there are plans. Unfortunately, at the moment, you know, I'm actually back with Rammstein in the studio as we speak. 
And I basically promised the guys when Rammstein is active, you know, I will be with the guys. And at the moment, we have such a big pleasure to actually work together again. And after Rammstein is doing his record, uh, which hopefully is coming out soon, that's my plan. <laughs> and uh, we have to go on tour. I mean, we haven't toured for, I think, like two and a half years. And, and that's the next thing we have to be on tour, basically. And that's why I can't really go on tour at the moment with Emigrate, you know. I love the idea of uh, living two different lives uh, mentally, but physically it's not possible. Yeah, definitely. Now, speaking of going on tour, I actually saw you play first with Rammstein at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York. Do you remember that gig? It was probably about 96, 97? Of course I do remember it, because it was the gig that I met my wife. Wow. Yeah. I remember two shows in my career at Rammstein really well. One is Sir Hammerstein Ballroom, New York City, and one is Paris, Bercy. And I totally remember this show because I met my ex-wife, I have to say, right now. And I was such a great energy at this time. And I don't know what happened, but it was, was a great show. It was an unbelievable show, and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again. Now, when was the last time you were on tour with Ramstein in the United States? I think the last tour we did was basically their Pledge of Allegiance with Slipknot and System of a Down. That was the last tour we did. And I just really hope, like, you know, with the next record, because, you know, right at the moment, obviously, the music industry is changing a lot, you know, and a lot of people go and play and uh, I know that uh, we'll come to America for the next tour because we're planning a big world tour. Very cool. Just be patient. We will definitely be patient. Now, the thing that goes on your head and shoots fire... Now, when I'm at a, a gig and there's, like, pyro going up, I can feel it from, like, 20 rows away. Now, how do you do that? Do you feel the heat from that on your face? Yeah, of course. You know, you always get a nice shave after the show. <laughs> and, you know, this is, like, something that you can't really control when you play with fire obviously you know and um, but it's also that gives you the kick about fire i mean obviously you know all the points on stage you know where it's coming up and right. stuff obviously but still like, those little accidents happen all the time and fortunately nothing big happened uh, knock on wood yeah definitely. yeah where's the wood let me knock yeah. some wood here <laughs> <laughs> but small accidents happen of, of course you know but again like Fire is such a strong element that you can't control, and that's what I like about it. So I just, you know, hope that uh, never something serious will happen, basically. Right. Now, the Ramstein show is, is out of control, and, and the fire and just everything that you got going on stage, to me, is what I would consider my perfect situation, honestly. I always said, man, if I could pick one band to play in, it would be your band. Oh, right. Yeah. Because, like, for me, it was always ACDC. Cool, very yeah, cool. Yeah, I was like listening to those guys a lot when I was uh, a kid, basically. I uh, had this little punishment from my parents there. It would always like, if something happened in school, and obviously, you know, I'm the second born, you know, I was trouble all the time. So I spent a lot of time in my children's room, basically, listening to this one ACDC tape I had. And for some reason, those tape gave me the possibility to escape my walls, you know? Not even like the big wall, the small walls I'm talking about. And I remember we never ever in the history of Ramstein had problems to open up for any kind of bands. So we played with uh, we played the last two with the Ramones. We opened up for Kiss in South America. Never had problems except for one show with ACDC. I mean, the, those fans would not like us. So, wow. but it was cool because they're so into the band and they're so loyal. And I, I remember I was watching. I was watching the band. I was on stage, 
And honestly, I've never, ever seen such a strong rhythm guitar player as Malcolm Young. For me, this is the man of the band. I mean, it's unbelievable what this guy can play. I was really impressed. I think it's great that you're giving uh, credit to a rhythm guitar player because sometimes, uh, you know, they don't always get the credit that they deserve. And And he's so humble. You know, he's like he would not move. He knows where his, uh, his place is. But this guy, he's the machine. I would say, like, normally the drums are the heart of the band. But with ACDC, it's, it's Malcolm Young. That's the guy. That's cool. You were a Bon Scott fan originally, right? Yes. I always liked his voice and always her... Um, I don't know, for some reason, you know, obviously, you know, it has a history, as I told you before. And unfortunately, I've never seen ACDC live with Bon Scott, so there's something I missed, unfortunately. Dirty Deeds was the one of the first songs that, like, I was ever into, other than Kiss stuff, because I was, like, a huge Kiss fan. And I, was, I, was, I was a Kiss fan, too. There was, like, actually something going on in East Germany about or those two bands, because in East Germany, they believed that Kiss was a Nazi band, basically, because of the SS rune. And that was totally forbidden, you know. And they're always comparing those two bands, you know. The ACUs were the good ones and Kiss were the bad ones. Wow. And honestly, like, music-wise, I always liked ACDC more. But then obviously, you know, when I thought about the costumes and the show and the makeup, you know, and obviously it was totally forbidden, I was totally into Kiss. And I remember that I had this this big poster, you know, on my wall. And my stepfather came in and he was, he was in, in, in this party in East Germany. And he saw the picture or the poster, and he put it in a thousand pieces. He was wrapped it off the wall, and the whole night I was sitting with glue in my hand. And it was That's next right. morning I put the poster back, and I always stayed there. That is an out-of-control story, and I had heard about that, and that is totally amazing. Your dedication to, to putting the poster back together. It was also something, I guess, to rebel against my parents, you know, what you have to do. But, and then, on, uh, like, I remember that we played together in South America, and I just went back, you know, in the way I was a child. Like, it gave me this feeling of going back in time when we played with Kiss together, basically. Yeah, I'll tell you the truth. That would be an amazing show to see you guys and Kiss on the same stage. Uh, you probably had so much gear on that stage. How did you manage that? I don't even know. But for some reason, it worked, and we had a good time. Very good. Now, I have a really funny story. This is the, the ridiculous part of the interview. When I tell you something that I did once, I had this neighbor in my old apartment that used to have these like loud parties two, three times a week, and the room where he had the parties was right next to my bedroom. So one morning, I just got so mad that it was like really early in the morning, and I had these gigantic old stereo speakers that like had a 15 inch speaker in it and, and some other stuff and these things were loud and i put the speakers right up against the wall and i played the song hairs allied like 50 times in a row on high volume did you stop him he still kept having the parties i don't know you probably didn't even hear it but what, what's cool is i got you to see, learn so you started with the first record because normally like you know in america the second record came out then afterward the first record came out but in America, I guess it was the first time Rammstein came into America was Sehnsucht. So you right. were basically listening to the first record. Yeah, I really loved the first record. And um, that's just particularly one of my favorite songs, uh, Here's a Line. And, and I know now that that means heartache. Is that right? Heartbreak, yeah. Heartbreak, okay. I mean, literally, I could probably sing in German that song and many other ones as well. And there's just so many great tunes. I mean, all the way up to the new record. I mean, I love Man, Gig, and Man. Yeah. That's such an amazing tune. <laughs> yeah. Actually, a lot of people got really mad at us for the video. But, you know, the good thing about Rammstein is like that we always kind of 
have this energy together which is kind of explosive in a way and you know the way that we are we made it natural happen that we kind of provoke and I think like sometimes not sometimes actually rock music should provoke as well yeah. and then that's there's something that Ramshan did I don't know if you heard about the story about Ami Mavis you know the story Mind Tile there's this guy Ami Mavis that was actually eating the other guy's penis and he was eating uh, his body too there was the whole big cannibal story in, in Germany and we made out of a song out of it and we got nominated for the, for the Grammys and this guy soon was right now <laughs> Oh, no. Unbelievable. I do think that rock music should provoke, and I think when the music stops provoking people and when people stop getting mad at Ramstein for for making a wild video or anything, you know, then it's not working. As long as they're doing that, you know you're doing something right. Exactly. I mean, that's that's what I actually also liked by Emigrate. Like, I know it's a totally different direction that I took, but still, there's a lot of people that think it's, it's a great piece and a lot of people that think it's a piece of shit. And I like when... When you have a record that polarizes, that you know in the end of the day that you get out a strong emotion or something. So I think that's the most important thing you have to do. What I think is great, back to the Emigrate record, is that fans of Ramstein are going to like this record. But then you also do some, some other stuff too. And I think you're going to even be able to reach out to people that may not have been a Ramstein fan. Yeah, for some reason, that's something that I always realized in, with Rammstein, going back to Rammstein, it's like all over the world, basically, people would, you know, we would play in, in front of like 20,000, 30,000 people in Mexico. Like, you know, we played for so many people that would sing along with German. In America, we were always exotic and special and cult, but we never would reach a certain amount of people. And I think that has something to do with the language. In the end of the day, you know, a lot of American people would not accept that we sing in German. And that's unfortunately the fact here. And I think that emigrate obviously have a little bit of the, of the German sound and of the German machine. But sings in English, that I think they can relate even more, obviously, to their own language. I agree with that. And I think it's amazing not only that you're singing lead vocals, but you are singing in English on this record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that I think it, you know, Ramstein in English wouldn't be the same as Ramstein in German. I of think the not. I think that no. the power the of the German language just translates perfectly to the sound of the Ramstein music. No, of course it wouldn't work. You know, it's 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 just a totally different rhythm. You know, if you right now obviously I know English a little bit, uh, and obviously I know German, it's a different rhythm in the language. You know, if you take a word, like, for example, photographer, 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 it's always between, the clapping is always between, or the rhythm is between. And, and in Germany, photograph is always on the one, and that's how people react to rhythm. Like, all the music, even the folk music, is always based on the one. Like, Where, like, in America, you know, when you're going to country or a funk or a gospel, or it's always between. It's always it's a different kind of rhythm, so the German language leads into a certain beat, and that was what we were trying to do. You know, when I realized that actually, what I did before Rammstein was kind of trying to imitate American kind of music, and it wouldn't work because I was living in Berlin, like in a German country in a German city, and what we were trying to do basically to to be authentic as possible, and those rhythm and melodies and whatever you need uh, comes from this German culture, obviously. I remember that we had this one song, Du Hast, and, and the record company would bother us and saying, listen, you know, can you just do the English version? It's like, ah, come on, it doesn't work. 
But then we kind of like, all right, let's try it. You know, we open enough. And then we did the English version, and nobody liked it because it wasn't the same. So Rammstein works in German, and that's something you know you should do. It doesn't matter what kind of language you sing. You have to be authentic as possible. That's the most important thing. Without a doubt. Before we let you go, I want to touch on your gear, and you have an amazing ESP signature model guitar. And it's actually – you also play the Kirk Hammond model as well. I did in the beginning. Uh, I started actually uh, um, when I was the first time on a convention like in, in Frankfurt, a music convention. Uh, I saw this guitar from ESP, and it's like, you know, one of those things that you fall in love in, like, in, a, in a guitar. And I remember, you know, this time I wasn't even in Rammstein. I still was orgasmic, actually. And I saw the guitar, and I was like, like running and walking around, you know, for hours and hours, and watching it and seeing her, and like, you know, hiding because the people thought I'm a little crazy because I was walking <laughs> around all the time. So, but finally, I went there and said, "Listen, I need this guitar." So I got a guitar and I played a long, long time with this model. I don't even know what the ESP was at this time. So, and for some reason, their neck broke. So I went to the guy in Germany, Stefan and ask him if he can fix the guitar, you know. And then he basically asked me if I would try some other models. So, and then I uh, played the Cage 2 on Sehnsucht, and I liked the, the sound because it was really tight, you know, on, in the bass, because I always had a little problem with um, my other guitar that I couldn't really control the bass and, and the riffs. So I liked this guitar because it gave me a lot of control in the bass. And then uh, after a while, they were kind of, because I was trying to always... Customized cage too because I didn't like to play anyone else's guitar, so right. I was like sewing things off and you know doing <laughs> some stuff with it. So they said, "Do you, you know? Let's do a guitar, guitar together." Right. Exactly. Now tell us, you have an ESP version of it, and is there also an LTD version? It's an LTD version too, and right now actually we're working on the RZ K2. Very very cool. Richard, thanks so much for allowing me to come into your amazing studio here. And before we go, we got to do a Talking Metal Toast. Today I'm just drinking some iced green tea. Uh, drinking some coffee latte, I guess. <laughs> cool, let's do it. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm Arsch hängt der Hammer. Cheers. Symbol. Very cool. Well, Richard, thank you again. And I got to tell all of you listeners you got to go out and you got to buy this emigrate project it's a band it's a project just having the actual album is cool i mean the artwork is amazing the songs are even more amazing and let me tell you there's 13 songs on this and you could pick any one of them and they could be the single because that's how cool this record is <laughs> thank you very very much and it's been a pleasure really nice talking to you and uh, you. it's a really interesting interview we did thank you very much richard take care Alright, thank you and a big hello on all the fans out there, huh? And I'm Arsch hängt der Hammer. Thinking on the world at large 
one, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.